What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Questions with Caden. I'm your host, Caden Fabrizio. Uh, and welcome to a podcast where we answer uh, a faith question that may be getting in your way of knowing Jesus intimately every single episode. I'm so glad you clicked on the podcast and wanted to spend the next however long this podcast is going to be um, with me. It means the world. Hey, this is a cool podcast. This is our last um, This is our last podcast of the season, uh, which is special. We are less than a year old. We've done around 17 episodes, really only 14, because three of those were just these like soft launch episodes. And uh, it's crazy what God has done in this podcast. And so I thought it'd be really cool this year, um, at the end of the season, if before we stepped into all the really cool things that are coming out for you guys in season two of Questions with Caden, if we took a pause and we took uh, a look back at what God did this year with all the amazing guests we had on, all the incredible topics we talked about, and we went through my favorite um my 10 favorite really um little snippets of the podcast and did a look uh did a quick little rewind for you guys so this is the qwc season one rewind and recap as long uh, as well as our season finale which is super crazy to me i wanted to let you guys know um briefly there are options to partner with the podcast financially uh you can go to anchor.fm slash questions with caden or hit the link below for more details on what that looks like um, but yeah, I know I keep saying that we have a lot of really cool things coming up for next season. Um, but we really do. I can't really share what they are yet. Um, but just know coming end of January when, uh, season two comes out, you guys are just going to be blown away with what, uh, God's been doing in behind the scenes for this podcast, all because of you guys, um, your, your willingness to listen, uh, your excitement with every episode and the way that you've engaged, um, has allowed other doors to be opened. I think it's almost like a way that you've partnered with with God and what he wants to do in this podcast. Because um, the reality is, is the the more this podcast grows, the more people we reach, the more people are reaching for the kingdom. And that's the goal as a believer. Um, so I wanted to share a couple um, a couple statistics that we came across um, from our year-end wrap-up from Spotify. Now, this is only Spotify statistics. Um, these aren't statistics for any of the other platforms we're on, YouTube. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. These are just Spotify, which is even more mind-blowing. But we are in the top 10% of most shared podcasts in the world, which is 100% because of you guys, because of your willingness to share, because you believe what God's doing through this podcast. And it means you've been texting it to people. You've been um, sharing it on Instagram. You've been sharing it on um, Snapchat. You've been uh, sharing it, this says, on Instagram, Snapchat, texting, and direct linking it to people. And that's amazing. The top 10% of podcasts all on Spotify in the world. Mind-blowing. We are in the top 10% of the most followed podcasts on Spotify in the world, which means that out of the thousands of podcasts in the world, we're in the top 10% of followed and devoted listeners, which, again, is a accolade only to you guys. And uh, lastly, we uh, are in 32 countries, which I did not know that we were in that many countries. 32 countries, United States, Canada, Germany, Australia, and the United Kingdom. Those are our top five countries that we're in, but we're in 
literally 27 more countries than that, which is mind-boggling. Some of them were like uh, Lithuania and uh, New Zealand and some just amazing countries. So I just want to say hello to all of my people around the world. I genuinely had no idea. I thought it was just a U.S. podcast, but to be heard around the world like that is special. It means the gospel is going around the world. So um, again, to you guys, I, I just can't believe. Um, I just can't believe that you guys would continue to pour into this podcast and um, just get behind it as you have. And I just want to thank you all so much for really what you've done. Um, how you've engaged, and uh, I just want to say I hope you've been inspired, you've been encouraged, um, and you've fallen more in love with Jesus through this podcast. That is the goal, and uh, all the numbers are cool, and it's cool to see growth, and it's cool to see new things coming out. It's cool to see new opportunities. It's cool for the podcast to become sustainable. It's cool to have massive guests coming on in the future. It's cool. All these things are cool, but it's not the goal. The goal is that you guys would be encouraged uh, to chase Jesus and to know him have an intimate relationship with him, and let him transform your life. So um, if we're doing that, that's the gauge for success. The other stuff means nothing. I'm trying to store up treasures in heaven. Come on, somebody. But hey, why don't we uh, jump into my top 10 favorite moments from the first season of Questions with Caden. Let's jump into number one. We have to understand, really, what is a victim mentality like? Um, what does that look like? And then on the other side, what is a victor mentality and what does that look like? And so, J.D., I want to ask you, um, in what do you think a victor looks like biblically? And then what do you think the world says a victor looks like? And then um, the same goes for victim. What do you think a victim looks like, um, both biblically and maybe worldly? Yeah, that's good. So to me, a victor, so victor mentality It looks like someone who understands who they are in light of who Christ is. And not even just who he is, but what he has done. And so when I think about what Christ has done, we know, if we are Christians and if you're not, we know that Christ came down because there was, um, we were victims. Humanity, we were victims to sin we were enslaved to sin and we were destined for an eternity apart from God in a place called hell. And God, out of his love for us, said, I don't want people to constantly be victims to sin and victims to separation from me because a life with me is a life that is a life full and it's a life of flourishing and a life of adventure. So I'm going to pave a way through my son, Jesus, and he's going to live a perfect life that no one could ever live. He's going to die the death that no one ever could, and he's going to defeat death by raising again three days later. And when he does that, since even death could not hold him back, that means there's nothing that could hold him back. Therefore, he is the ultimate victor. And the best part about that is when you choose to believe that truth, now it's not up to your victory. It's not out up to what you can manifest. It's not what you can uh, try to create and manufacture in your life. All you have to simply do is allow what Jesus has done now define who you are. So if Jesus is a victor, you now have the ability to be a victor as well because it's now no longer you who mark your life, but Jesus in you. The Bible says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so living with a victor mentality 
simply looks like acknowledging and believing that you are no longer in charge of victories and failures, but simply Christ in you. When you live in Christ, now you are a victor because Christ is now who defines you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so good. It's some. It's a topic that really on this podcast we talk about a lot as we talk about being aware of Christ in us and us in Christ, meaning that we have adopted everything that he's done on the cross. We now get to adopt and live in. And so this goes same for this, like you said, this victor this victor slash victim mentality is saying, listen, no, everything that would make me feel like a victim would make me think, woe is me. Um, life is never going to get better. Everything's always against me. I'm just going to lose and lose and lose. And it's just going to be pain after pain. That's the mentality that, that Christ actually took to the cross. And so here on this podcast, we're so um, passionate about launching people to into the fullness and freedom of Jesus. And a large portion of that is having the Holy Spirit renew your mind in a way where you begin to think with the mind of Christ and carry the perspective of Jesus. So good. Let's jump into number two. When you're hearing the voice of God, it's easy to say to yourself, Lord, that's me. Like when Samuel heard the voice of God, he thought it was Eli. It's easy to think it's someone else or it's you speaking to yourself. So it's, what you have to do is you have to take what he's speaking to and you have to match it to scripture. You have to go, okay, is this making sense? Is this out of the character of Jesus? Would he say this to me? Would he speak this to me? And I think what's really easy to um, kind of use to check his voice is the fruits of the spirit. Because the fruits of the spirit are the character of Jesus and they're what they produce out of you, but they produce that out of you because that's who he is in you. So if God's speaking to you, it's going to come from a place of love, peace, patience, kindness, joyfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that are going to be spoken to you, and that's what the, that the, the vein of everything he says is going to be out of you. Now, if he's speaking things to you that are giving you anxiety, that are making you uncertain, that are unclear, that are making you confused, that's not God. It could be you, or you could be listening to outside voices. Maybe the enemy is chirping at you. And so I think it's really important that you know the voice of God, you know how to access the voice of God, you know how to be in communion with the voice of God all day, but you also know how to check the voice of God. Because there's a lot of, sometimes there's just a lot of voices in our head. We're just talking to ourselves, we think. But really, it's Jesus. And so you can always, always second check or, I guess, reference the Word of God with the Word of God, the Bible. Number three, just because I had this thought doesn't, need, doesn't mean I need to act on this thought. So what I can do is I can take this captive and I can ask Holy Spirit, would you renew my mind? Would you let me think about this in the way that you think? So maybe... Maybe um, you see a girl and she walks past you and you have a thought that um, isn't, a, isn't a good thought. Maybe it's a lustful thought. You can think, hey, Holy Spirit, actually, what do you think about that person? And they would say that they're pure, that they're made with a purpose, that they're not an object. And, and God will begin to speak to you and, and download into your mind what he thinks. And this, the, the last thing, too, is something that you is massive for me is that you crave what you feed. Yep. And so when you are feeding your your fleshly desires, you're feeding yourself um you're feeding yourself pornography, you're allowing yourself to sit and meditate on these thoughts, you're allowing yourself to get on hand, you're allowing yourself to um hook up with people, you're allowing yourself to do all these things, you start to crave what it is that you're feeding on. Yep. Now on the flip side, what you don't feed dies. Yep. So if you don't feed yourself those things, those cravings begin to shrivel away and die. And on the other side, you need to be feeding yourself the word of God. You need to be chewing on 
you need to be chewing on the word. You need to have it deep hidden in your heart. You need to be in the presence of God because, again, the things that you are feeding yourself are the exact things that you begin to desire. So for, I guess, on this same topic of, like, um, practically what can we do to walk in purity, like, when it comes to temptation, and obviously I think I I talked about this in the last episode, like, just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've sinned. Like, that's a lie of the enemy often is, like, when you get tempted – um, I feel like the enemy is always like chirps, like, well, you, you already thought it, so you might as well just do it. Exactly. You know, like, or you already, you're already halfway there, so you might as well just like, whatever. Right. So like in those moments of temptation, Jay, like what do you think practically or spiritually are some things that listeners can do that um, can help them move past those things of temptation? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I have six steps that I'm going to be probably repeating myself here. Um, but number one is realizing that you, you do have the power to overcome it. It says in first Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so maybe the enemy has enslaved you and been like, you will never, ever become free. This is just who you are. You've just been a porn addict for 10 years. So that's just who you are. It's fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But this Bible verse just says right here, there is no temptation that God will not provide a way out of for you. And I just think that verse is so powerful because I think so many people believe that lie that they're just stuck or that it'll always be this way. But no, you can find freedom. And so just knowing that there's power in that. And so same thing that Caden said watch what you entertain. It may not even be as drastic as to, you know, you're watching flat out porn, but it can be watching stuff on Netflix, watching TikTok, scrolling, looking at girls' bikini photos just a little bit too long. There's so many shows on Netflix that I will start and midway through, I'm like, I have to stop watching this. It's the freaking show you, did you watch that show? Uh, I had to stop. I had to stop as well <laughs> yeah. because I was like, what is this? And so it's like little things like that that like, you know, it, it's super easy to let this become a slip, a slippery slope because you're just like, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. But that's where it starts because I know like even watching that freaking show, in my mind I was justified. I'm like, no, it's they're not really showing anything. And then I started to have these really sketchy dreams and I was like, okay, I'm I'm done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't make that face. <laughs> So we're going to pray for deliverance for Jay after the podcast privately. But (laughs) shut up. (laughs) But for real, like that's the type of stuff that we entertain. So watch what you entertain. Um, Secondly, same thing that Caden said is taking your thoughts captive. So that's 1 Corinthians 10, 5. So take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so Hmm. what that looks like for me is if I have a thought, I immediately am like, no, I rebuke these thoughts in the name of Jesus. leave my head in the name of Jesus. And I will immediately start thinking about like, something else or start speaking scripture over myself and it leaves. It always leaves. It might be a battle at first, but it leaves. And that's just like the power of Jesus's name. Um, Three is confession. So first John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And James five 16 talks about confessing and having someone pray over you. Confession is powerful because people like the enemy doesn't want you to confess that he wants you to keep it in secret. He wants you to think you're alone, especially for girls when it comes to the masturbation porn thing. He wants you to believe like, oh, no other girl struggles with this. It's just you. Don't tell anyone. It's a pretty like taboo thing to talk about. And so bring someone into your mess and let them, you know, sit in the mess with you and help you get out of that. Um, 
Four, again, is just removing access, finding your triggers, finding your reasons, so identifying that. Um, again, could, it could be boredom, loneliness, seeing a movie, hearing someone talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. So watch that. And then lastly is just submitting yourself to Christ and knowing that you can find freedom. And so yeah. James 4, 7 through 8 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's first and foremost. And then you will res- resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So the first step is you submit yourself to God and you, you invite God into it. And you say, God, I need you. Because we do. We cannot overcome this by ourselves. Um, and then you resist the devil by rebuking him and removing the access and not giving him a foothold and a door and open into your life. And again, you keep confessing and, and all those things because the enemy doesn't want you to confess. And so resist him by using Jesus's name. And the more you draw near to God, the more he will draw near to you. Yeah, that's so good, Jay. Those things are so honestly, you take those six steps, write them down um, and begin to implement them in your life. And you're going to experience so much freedom. Number four. There's like a there's like a pandemic almost in our world right now of people saying like no just live your truth and it's like this big thing it's like live your truth live in your feelings live out of your perspective and that's your truth. However this this statement it gives an excuse for people to live lies about themselves, about their environment, about their situations, about what they're walking through, about the world. Live your truth is a destructive thought pattern that allows people to live in a way that isn't actually truthful. Because in order for you to live your truth, you actually have to live your lie. Because maybe your truth is, um, I am depressed, I'm anxious, um, uh, I'm addicted, um, I'm never going to be good enough, and I just struggle through life. That's my truth. But that's actually your lie. Because that's not what Jesus says you are. And the problem is, is that when you begin to draw those lines of deciding that your truth is the truth, you start to actually believe that lies can be truth and that truth can be lies. You find yourself in a web. And that's the exact spot that the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to be floundering in a position where uh, you start to question truth and believe lies. Like, for example, when we talk about absolute truth, I'm talking about birds fly or the color red. Someone who would live their truth would say, uh, for instance, a colorblind person, their truth would be that red doesn't exist because they can't see red. However, everyone else knows in the world that the color red is truth. The color red exists. The color red is red and cannot be argued. However, that one person could say, no, I don't see red, so I don't believe red. My truth is that red doesn't exist. Now, everybody would look at that person and go, that's ridiculous. Red obviously exists. And that's the same exact thing that is happening in this world with truth across the board, across the gamut. There's with people saying that truth can be whatever you say it is. However, that's not true because truth has to have an absolute. Truth has to have a baseline. In order for something to be true, it has to stand on something. There has to be ground to uphold the truth. Coming in at number five. I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to trying to thrive, trying to live in that fullness and freedom I'm always talking about, is they struggle with some sort of caring of shame, um, of caring of guilt, of feeling like um, maybe they're just this lowly sinner. They just can't ever get past um, 
the things they've done. They can't get past the things they struggle with. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit into that and talk a little bit about maybe our identity, what we should be thinking about ourselves, how shame um, negatively shapes our identity, um, and kind of give us some tools to walk through and then start to understand that. I think one of the tragic things or one of the most tragic things about um, you know, the brokenness that we experience, the brokenness we walk through is the shame it causes. And I think that hurts the, the heart of God more than the fact that we sin. You know, look at any earthly father whose kid like keeps struggling with something and then that kid starts to hate themselves or like think that they're totally worthless and the father is like, do you have any idea how much I love you and how valuable you are? And it's amazing that we, unlike anything else in creation, are created in God's image. We, which his likeness, uh, another translation says, we display him to the world each of us uniquely in a way that no one can or ever will or ever has. And shame has been one of the primary tactics of the enemy since the Garden of Eden. You look at Adam and Eve, they sinned, and then they were naked and afraid, and so they hid. And the enemy will use all kinds of stuff in our life to try and get us to believe this lie of, of shame. Even theology. You know, there's so many pastors I've had to start to stop listening to because they're like shaming people or what they teach about Christians is basically that people are worthless and God somehow tolerates us because of Jesus' work on the cross rather than, no, 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 John three sixteen says it clearly, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Love was the motive. He desperately wanted to redeem creation and wants to know people and loves them so much. That's why sin is wrong. Sin is wrong because hurting people and hurting God is wrong. That's the essence. Jesus summed up the law and the prophets. Love God, love others as you love yourself. It's about yeah. love. It's about not hurting people. And so I think what we, I think one of the things to get to with, with our shame is to say, um, who does God actually say I am? I love talking about seeing yourself as God sees you. Yeah. Psalm 8 uh, three says, who are you, O God, that you're mindful of man? And we stop there. But Psalm eight, four, is it four or five says, yet you made them man only a little bit lower than God. And you crown them with glory and honor. It's wild. The Bible reveals so much of it. It's almost like if you read the Bible about what it says about mankind and their value to God, it's like way up here. A lot yeah. of us would be like, that's not right. That sounds prideful. No, no, no. You know, one of the scriptures says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. And people say, see, don't think highly of yourself. That's not what it says. It says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. What ought you? Yeah. You ought what God says. And when you really grasp that no matter what you do, no matter what you have done, no matter what you will do, it doesn't matter that your your identity has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. It has to do with the fact that you're created by God. You're loved by him. And as a Christian, you're adopted into his family. Um, yeah. That, that's it. And, and once we start to grasp that and 
It can be like the switch that we start to think through ourselves, others, God, as we're reading the scriptures, how we go about our life. Totally. I mean, we talk in this podcast a lot about um, seeing yourself as God sees you. And just like you said, just like you have a chapter in your book, um, and kind of fighting the idea or the common narrative that we're just lowly sinners and we should view ourselves as that way forever. But instead, we should be adopting the perspective, the mind of Christ, allowing Holy Spirit to renew our mind, to think as Christ does, to see ourselves in the way that Jesus sees us, which he would not see us as lowly. He would not see us as worthless. He would not see us as broken, but he would say, um, you're whole and you're loved and you're chosen and you're precious and you're a son and a daughter, which means you're an heir to the throne, which means you have authority and you have importance and you have value. And when you begin to see yourself in that way and you begin to carry the truth of Jesus through you, you begin to walk in a different way and you begin to live in a different way. You kind of go, well, I can get through this. Like I can do this. Like this is who I am. When you, when you, when you're tempted to sin, you go, I'm not a sinner. That's not who I am. It's not in my nature anymore. So I will not do that. Or when you're, when you are come across these anxieties and these stresses, these depressions, you go, this isn't me anymore. This isn't, I don't have to sit in this. I don't have to be this. This does not have to be my identity. My identity gets to be whole and renewed and restored and valuable. And I think that that's one of the most important things and a good theme throughout your book to talk about um, the difference that that makes in your life. This clip is number six. How did you see closed doors and not be like, okay, this is not what I was supposed to be doing? Because mm. I think it's easy for us to like be stepping out in faith, stepping out, walking towards what God is calling us to do, and then coming across closed doors and sometimes going, oh, I must not be supposed to be doing this. Right. I think that's a that's always a difficult balance for a lot of people because for myself included, I'm I'm very much like a visionary. I have a lot of dreams that God has put inside of my heart. But at yeah. the same time, I have to remember that I only have this moment and I have to look down where my feet are planted. And those are the moments that I'm reminded, okay, God, you have me here. And all I need to do is choose to trust you for the next step. I don't have to totally. choose to trust you for three miles down the road. I have to choose to trust you right now. And that yeah. is how I can have the peace for those moments when a door gets closed and when another one gets open. Because I've found a lot of times when God closes one door, he's already opening the next. Totally. I mean, it's just true. He already is. And a lot of times those doors look way different than I ever wanted them to look like. <laughs> and I don't see it until I look back on my life like a couple years down the road. And I was and I'm saying to myself, wow, God, you really saved me on that one. <laughs> Bro, and, been there, dude. And I feel like, you know, my song Every Step of the Way really has, has been an anthem that ties perfectly into this verse. Because I say in the song, like, I couldn't see it then, but now I understand. You know, yeah. there's a lot of moments we can't see what God is doing in the very moment that we're walking in, yeah. but we can see it later. And that's totally. that's an encouragement for you today if you're listening, even though it might not be the answer you want to hear, uh, yeah. because we live in a culture that is very much, we want it now, boom, 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 instant gratification. Sometimes that's just not the way of the kingdom. Totally. No, it's totally, it's, I love how you said, like, you just need to focus on where you're planted now, because I think for us, in Western Christianity and kind of in you know, in America, you have this idea, or even just in the Western world, you have this idea of like stepping out in faith must mean I'm moving forward. 
Like stepping out in faith must mean progress. Mm-hmm. It must mean open door. When sometimes I feel like stepping out in faith actually means being okay with where you are. Come like on, dude. Stepping out in faith is like saying like, okay, God, I don't see everything you're doing, and I feel like I'm at a standstill. So I'm going to stand still, <laughs> and I'm going to sit still, and I'm going to be in your presence, and I'm yes. going to be okay just listening to you and getting to know you mm. and being intimate with you. That sometimes may be the exact step of faith that Jesus wants you to take because you and I both know it takes way more faith to sit at his feet and cry out to him and get to know him and beg and ask for things and knock on the door and keep knocking than it ever does to walk through a door. Wow. Like you see an open door and you can go, yeah, I'll step through it. But there's way more faith involved when you're just seeking and asking and pleading and desiring and sitting with your heavenly father. Number seven, are we truly believing it's the best news ever? Like, are you truly walking in, in a faith and walking with an intimacy with the Lord and an awareness of the Holy Spirit where you've experienced transformation in your life? Like it's hard to if you never experienced yourself, it's hard to give it to somebody else. And to like piggyback off what Dylan, you were saying, like if you had a two-step method to make everyone a millionaire, you would share it. And something exactly. I always say is like, and this hits different now that we lived through a pandemic, but if there was a, you had a cure, if you had a solve to something in the world, if you could have cured COVID-19 when it broke out in 2020, you would have told everybody. You would have, you would have been so excited. You couldn't have been, you couldn't have been shut up if you were going to share this cure and we have a cure his name is jesus and he can cure the hopelessness the sickness of the world and give us the freedom and fullness that we so desire as humans but if we don't carry a revelation of that then we don't share we don't have a why exactly and it's like scripture says we love because he first loved us right so i'm like exactly what you're saying If, if sharing the gospel is a burden our perspective has to change. Totally. So to me, it's like, it should be the greatest privilege on earth. Like I'm not interrupting or inconveniencing somebody's day. I'm offering them the best news they could ever hear. That is and so that's good. genuinely how I see it. And it's like, if I walked up to someone and I was like, hey, here's the two steps to becoming a millionaire. If they rejected it and were like, hey, I don't want your two steps. You're an idiot. I don't walk away and like, I'm never sharing my two steps with anyone again. Wow. I'm not called to share the two steps. God didn't make me bold. I don't want to share the two steps. What would we do? My heart would break and be like, they just missed the greatest opportunity they could have ever received. Wow. And that's heartbreaking. Now they'll live in poverty potentially for the rest of their life because they didn't see how good what I was offering them was. So I'm that's not offended, insane. hurt, or anything. My heart breaks for them because of what they missed out on. And how much wow. greater is salvation than being a millionaire where if somebody rejects me, they aren't rejecting me. I'm not trying to sell myself. Mm-mm. So I'm trying to give them him. And when they reject him, my heart breaks for them, not because of them. Wow. That perspective is unbelievable. Maybe the best one I've ever heard in terms of how to share the gospel and time for number eight. And so while we're waiting on God, like you said, that you can kind of loop that into being faithful. Like you have to be obedient. You have to be mm-hmm. faithful. And in your sermon, you said that that's being consistent. Like yeah. the consistency and the faithfulness breeds almost a thing that you're waiting on, but it could take a long time. And I know it can take a long time and it can be frustrating and it can be uh, a grind. And so yeah. can you kind of talk about a bit like why you feel like 
um, why we're so, sometimes it can feel like a grind. What is the point of the grind? Why are we yeah. in the grind? Totally, totally. So let me break it down this way because I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying. I think God makes commitments to those who are consistent because consistency communicates reliability and dependability, or like you said, Caden, in other words, faithfulness. God knows that those who are consistent are commitment material because they are those who won't let sleepiness keep them from showing up. There are those who won't let yeah. tiredness keep them from toughing it out. There are those who will not let a little bit of weariness, as Galatians chapter 6 talked about, keep them from working hard. Like, in other yeah. words, as you alluded to, talking about what's the point, what's the purpose of grinding for something, God goes into business and makes commitments with those who are consistent because God knows that the only quality, the only characteristic, the only internal motivation that has any power to override weariness is wants. And it is much easier to take yeah. something for granted that you are gifted than it is to take something for granted that you had to grind for. So I think the first thing that God is waiting wow. to see in many of us, and this is why I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying, I think the first thing that, that God is waiting to see in us before he gives us all that he has for us is wants. And I want to break this down a little bit further mm -hmm. even than I did in my sermon. Because as I was writing the sermon, I was like, God, please don't let people hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, because this can sound condescending to people who have been waiting for a long time and who have been waiting correctly. Totally. I'm not necessarily talking, I'm not saying, you just have to want it more. Like that couple that's been waiting for <laughs> yeah. a baby, like you just have to want a child more. That's, that, that's not that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a particular type of person that God is waiting on. It's the person that's not yet consistent. It's the person that's already not on their knees praying every day, yeah. every night. It's the person that's already not searching through scripture and really trying to cultivate this deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a person who's not already asking all the right questions. But I think for the person that's not doing those things yeah. already, who's not already being consistent and faithful and doing their part, God is waiting to see if you really want what he has for you. God is waiting to see if wow. you want what he has for you because when you want something enough to work for it, this means that you will not waste it. Because you're not going to waste what you have to work yeah, for. I, I just think God's hardwired us that way. Yeah. I use a silly example in, in my sermon that I preached last Friday that when I was a kid, my parents were very loose with me leaving food on my plate. It wasn't a big deal if that happened. But now that I'm an adult and I have to pay for my own food at Chipotle specifically, I'm, I'm a, I, I frequent Chipotle a lot. Chipotle. Yeah, shout Chipotle. Hook me up with some type of deal. I don't know. That one of those burritos for life get a cards. Brand deal. Get a yeah. podcast sponsor on Chipotle. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Come on. Um, you must believe because I pay for that Chipotle now for myself, I'm going to eat every single grain of cilantro rice that's put in front of me because I worked hard for that $11.50 that that bowl cost me, and I'm going to eat everything that's put in front of me. Like yeah. you just – you will not – God has hardwired us to be creatures who will work for what we want and will not waste what we work for. God knows that the plan he has for your life is so special, is so amazing, is so big, is so beautiful, is so blessed, that if he were to give it to you in its entirety right away without causing you to work for it, you would waste it. You would blow it. You would mm. squander it. And the only yeah. way to make you see the significance in and the value of all that he has for you is to make you work for it. Not because God is cruel, not because God is like trying to toy with you and just dangle something over your head to, 
but because he knows that all that he has for us is for our good and we would not appreciate it and we would not treat it with the respect that deserves if he did not make us work for it. So really what a want, what a desire, what a longing within you for what God has for you. It shows him you're not going to waste it if he gives it to you. And if you're willing to work for it, like I said, you won't waste it, but this will just kind of show God, like you'll take it seriously. You'll steward it correctly and he can trust you with it. Yeah, dude, that's so good. It kind of reminds me, you know, the waiting season, a lot of the times is a season of preparation and growth. Mm -hmm. And so while you're waiting, God is usually doing something in you far before he ever does anything through you Mm -hmm. because of what Charlie just said, because he wants to know that what he's going to do through you is going to be stewarded well and that you're ready for it. So, so good. Number nine, the, the, the core of our design is to be intimate and know Jesus to the point of we know him so well that we almost know him better than ourselves. That is yeah. like the purpose of like us being created was to know him and everything happened in the fall and that separated us. And then Jesus came and brought us back to that original purpose. But like you said, it's easy to get distracted and think like, okay, well, sure. my purpose is this. Um, separate from everything else. But like you said, Colby, our purpose is to tell people about Jesus and to know Jesus. Yeah. And what we do and how we do that is what I would say is our calling. Exactly. So when so when you're in that 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 season of like, okay, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to understand purpose. Yeah. So how do we identify calling? But then also how do we identify our calling? And then when we find our calling, use that to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. And so I think everything, it, it all coexists. I think you can't yeah. walk in your calling unless you're walking in your purpose, and that's glorifying that's and enjoying Jesus. And I think yeah. that's the simple gospel that we hear about. It's that Jesus wants a relationship with us, and we hear about everything that he did for us, and through that love, um, like he speaks to us, he, and it just gives us power to walk in everything that he has for us because we are on mission. Yeah. We, are on a, we do have things specifically for each one of our lives, and the things that you have aren't the things that I have, and... Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about like just this question throughout my life. And what I came to the conclusion was, is that I don't think God is going to call you into something that you don't like. You know, I think he's going to call you into things that are hard. I think he's going to call you into things that are uncomfortable, but I don't think he's going to call you into something that you don't truly enjoy. And what I would, what I would argue for people saying is like, I don't think God's like, I don't really like the thing that God's called me into. I think that if you're operating in your calling, there's an overwhelming amount of satisfaction and joy that comes from fulfilling that. Yeah. And so if you're not feeling those type of things, I would argue that you're not actually walking in the thing that God has for you. But also I've told people that, so just chase the things that you love. Like if you enjoy doing what you're doing and you can glorify God through that and you can, and you really truly enjoy doing it, I would say pursue it because God is ultimately going to lead you to where he needs you to go. And so I I look at a lot of things through just this, this filter of, cause I like to do a lot of things, right. But not everything is part of my calling. And I think sometimes we confuse the idea of like, Oh, I really enjoy this. And it's a hobby. I can enjoy going out on the lake and wakeboarding, but I don't think it's my calling, you know? (laughs) And so I I would say, am I, am I able to glorify God through this? And is this where I believe, truly believe that God is operating or calling me to operate in? And that comes from spending time with God, which goes back into your purpose, and then yeah. um, using that mission field to glorify him. And so, for instance, like I, I have this story with, with social media, you know, 
And uh, what, the thing that I do, I, I grew up and I always wanted to be a speaker. You know, that's what I that's what I wanted. I wanted to do that. And nothing I ever did was really operating in that zone. I knew I was called to it. I knew I had a heart to do it. I knew I loved doing it. But everything, whether it was working in a restaurant or doing something else, it just didn't seem like it aligned. And so I had this dream and I had this vision over here, but my life was over here. And then social yeah. media came out of nowhere. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, like I'm growing in an area that's totally separate from where I, I truly feel like I'm called to. And what I, what I realized is that I, I loved social media. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed making videos and doing it with my friends, and I could glorify God uh, through it. And what I realized is that as I pursued it and as time went on and I gave it patience and time for it to grow, that I, they actually started to divert. I'm not diverge, but converge and, like, meet. And so I, w- I would say that chase the things that you love, and if it glorifies God and you truly enjoy doing it, I believe that God's going to take that and use it uh, for, for his glory. And ultimately it just comes from being prayerful. And so that's that's what I would say. And finally, one of the last moments I wanted to highlight is number 10, but I want to take a moment. I want to go back to Romans six, seven through nine. I just read it again. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. For when we died with Christ. I want to pause on that for a second because we need to realize that when we died with Christ, when when Christ died, we died with him. Meaning our old selves, meaning our sin, the things we struggle with, our depression, our anxiety, our suicidal thoughts, they all died with him. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And I just want to let you guys know today that if you would become aware of your new life in Jesus, I don't care if you got saved when you were four years old or if you got saved four months ago or if you got saved four minutes ago, you have become a new person in Christ And I just want to encourage you today in this podcast to say, let's just start becoming aware of what our new person in Christ is, knowing we don't have to sin, we don't have to view ourselves as sinners, but we get to view ourselves with the perspective of how Jesus views us because he has given us the mind of Christ. So with our mind of Christ, having our our mind renewed, we are able to then say, we can now view ourselves the way Jesus views us. And once you begin to view yourself the way that God views you, a lot of things begin to change in your life. Because you, if you view yourself the way Jesus views you, you can't view, view yourself as not enough anymore. If you begin to view yourself as Jesus views you, you can't view yourself as a sinner anymore. To view yourself as Jesus views you, you can't even view yourself as unworthy to die for. Because what you have to do when viewing yourself is the way that Jesus does, is you have to adopt his thought patterns and the way that he sees you, his perspective. Jesus, God, saw you as enough to die for. He saw you as enough to send his son to be killed on a cross in the most excruciating way to take on all the sin, shame, guilt, and death of the world because you were worth it to him, because you were worthy to die for. 
So to begin this first answering of am I a sinner, we have to first understand who are we as believers. And the number one thing I would tell you is who are we as believers? We're not sinners, but we're saints. Hey, I really hope that you enjoyed listening to those top 10 uh, rewinds. I hope that they uh, reminded you about the amazing episodes we have. And in our break here um, all throughout December and the first part of January, I want to encourage you to go back to those episodes, rewatch them, and re-listen to them the other day. A friend of the podcast, Janine Amapola, texted me and said, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. And she's like, I love this episode. And I was like, what episode is it? She sent me the uh, Q&A episode we did earlier uh, this year. And I listened. And even I was encouraged from myself. Um, and I share that with you because there's so many things said in this podcast that I don't even remember that the Lord is speaking through and wants to encourage you through. So go back. Maybe you've listened to an episode in the past. Re-listen. You're going to learn something new. The Lord's going to reveal something new to you. Um, or maybe you accidentally skipped an episode and you didn't know. Go back. Look through all the episodes. I want to encourage you to. Um, just because we're not in season doesn't mean that you can't be listening to the podcast. So I love you guys so much. I'm really excited to uh, see y'all in season two. You're going to see a big change. It's going to look a little different. Uh, but it's going to be so much fun. We've got some amazing guests coming on. We've got some amazing new uh, things for you guys, including more content coming your way. We might be doing a third episode a month. I don't know. I just I heard that through the grapevine. We might be doing three episodes a month now. I don't know. I, I just heard that somewhere. Um, but yeah, I love you guys a ton. Um, stay tuned. Stay up to date. And go to Instagram and follow me at Caden.Fabrizio and the Instagram page at questions with Caden. So I'm going to start posting content and you're going to start seeing what I'm talking about. I love y'all so much. I'm praying for you guys. I'm believing that you're going to have an amazing holiday celebrating the birth of our Savior. Take time to be, to be grateful and remember that no matter how stressful and crazy the holidays can be, um, it's, about, it's about Jesus. And uh, there can be no anxiety and fear where gratitude is in your brain. It's actually a fact. And so I just want to encourage you to be grateful this season for what you have. Um, and don't just be looking into what you don't have, but be grateful for what you do have, friends, family, and a Savior who loves you so much. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2023 for QWC Season 2. Come on, somebody. Love y'all. Uh. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.